Yes, IU's loss to Iowa was frustrating, but how much damage did it do to the Hoosiers in regard to the NCAA tournament? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen each and every single day or your first watch on YouTube as well. Uh, quickly, if you guys can, even while you're listening to this, whether it's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, if you guys can quickly just give us a rating that helps us out immensely and gets us in more in front of more eyes, ears, you know the deal. We have to please the algorithm gods. I use loss was it's still frustrating. Uh, twenty four, I guess as you're listening to this, thirty six hours later. But how much damage did it really do to the Hoosiers, particularly when it comes to the NCAA tournament? We talked after the game; they pretty much just lost their chance at a double buy. Pros cons to that. But the NCAA tournament is obviously the ultimate goal. How much damage did it do to them on that front? Well, the short of it is not a ton. It certainly wasn't great, but it it wasn't all that damaging to the Hoosiers. There's a number of different brackets. We're not quite to the daily update of bracketology i assume that will come next week as conference tournaments uh, start so you can start with joe lenardi who uh, puts out his um little screenshot on twitter daily of who rose fall the top four seeds in each region the last four just kind of a, a a small picture of the bracket the top the bottom Everyone in the middle is just kind of left out. IU still at near the top. There's still a top four seed, which uh, isn't. Not only are they a top four seed, they're the second four seed. Xavier is ahead of them, uh, or excuse me, UConn is ahead of them. So it's not awful. We that's the perspective that you can have. And that's one of the things that the Hoosiers have going for them this season. They really don't have bad losses. In terms of how Kim Palm kind of ranks games, whether they're an A tier, a B tier, or no tier games, every game I use loss has been at least a B tier game. And the only two that fell in the B tier were at home to Northwestern and last night. Every other game's been considered an A-tier game. So in that regard, I guess the worst loss Indiana had was actually the Northwestern game at home. Just straight win-loss, not taking any context in. Last night was, when you take in the full context, the worst loss of the season. But when you're looking at a resume, the worst loss is the Northwestern game. There aren't bad losses. And that's what's helping the Hoosiers. That wasn't a bad loss in terms of the resume last night. Basically, it's not going to matter that IU lost by 22 points when you're looking at the resume. 
they're pretty securely kind of locked in this 3-4 seed. I think the the main thing it's going to take away from the Hoosiers, they're going to have to go on a pretty deep run in the NCAA tournament to move up to a 3 seed. It's still possible. Like I said, they're the second highest ranked 2 seed. Right now they'd be in the Midwest uh, with Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, and IU as the top 4 seeds. So it wouldn't be awful. I, I would happily take the Midwest as we discussed. Put IU in Louisville, and that's home game. So uh, that would be actually. I'm not sure if the Midwest is Louisville. It might be uh, the East that is the Louisville Regional. But regardless, IU isn't in dire straits, and that has been pretty much what I've gathered looking at the updated. Uh, bracketology from Wednesday morning. Obviously, this won't take account any of the games that were played uh, Wednesday night. I wasn't going to wait until midnight to film this episode, basically, and even then, bracketology wouldn't be out. But not a lot's going to change. I mean, Xavier, I believe, as I'm recording, is winning pretty big uh, against Providence. Maybe they move over IU, but IU's not going to fall out of being a four seed uh, for any reason tonight. So that that's the general case. If you look at Andy Katz, he also has IU as a four seed. He has IU over UConn as a four seed, so uh, the top four seed. It would make it so I think that they would be in with Tennessee. Um Houston and UCLA, maybe. I'm trying to do this on the fly. He he just has a list of teams, one through 68, that would be in the tournament. Uh, but at the end of the day, he has IU as a top four seed. Honestly, a three seed always kind of felt like the best case scenario, even dating back a couple weeks. Um, if we got to a three seed, I feel like that would have been good, especially considering where we sat in January, a three seed would have been fine. That hasn't changed. Uh, a The thing it's going, how do I, how do I phrase this? Winning against Michigan isn't going to change that either. Most likely it would be teams above them losing, losing against Michigan would change that. They're going to have to knock off somebody in the big 10 tournament though. Again, there's not really a team to knock off unless they, play Purdue, which I don't know how the seeds are going to turn out. Maybe they do play them in the their second game or something, and you beat Purdue a third time, then things will change, but that's way down the line. They're just going to have to avoid kind of bad losses, being upset, things like that. It seems like the floor is kind of firming under them as them being a four seed, though. There aren't really going to be opportunities for a bad loss, save for the opening round of the Big Ten tournament, whoever they're going to end up playing. Win that game, and you basically are staying as a four seed, which I'm fine with. Uh, I am able to have the perspective that I wasn't sure this was a tournament team in, when was that Penn State loss? January 11th. When I sat here and recorded after that game, I was not remotely considering what the NCAA tournament outlook was going to be because this did not look or feel like a tournament team, and it felt miles away from it. So 
to be not just back in the tournament, to be a three or four seed. And really, I mean, look at last year. We had to play in the playing game just to make it to fly across the country. This is going to be a favorable matchup IU is in. So I'm not complaining. I'm actually perfectly content with this. I was a little surprised by how um, how much IU didn't move, basically. If you look at Jerry Palm, his bracket with uh, CBS Sports, I expected him to have IU about a five or a six seed. He has them as a four seed. I'm not sure which four seed he has them as. He would have them playing Toledo and the winner of Miami and Utah Valley if they win that first game. And then they would have them playing most likely Houston. <laughs> Give me a week of narratives about Kelvin Sampson. <laughs> um, I would I would eat that up. But uh, he would we would be in Houston's bracket, Texas, Tennessee is the two and three seeds. So at the end of the day, nothing really changed. We're more frustrated. We have a lot more questions. But in terms of the outlook of this team, when it comes to the tournament, nothing really changed, which isn't a bad thing. So let's look at some of that context we mentioned, though. Some of the individuals from uh, last night's game, well, as I'm recording this last night, from the Iowa game, both good and bad, and some of the questions we can have about them moving forward. Before we do that, let's talk about FanDuel. Uh, it's just past the midway point of the NBA season. More importantly, March Madness is like right around the corner. There is not a better, more fun time to bet than March Madness. Sit in front of your TV, tap away, uh, betting on the games, even live betting them as they're going on, and have fun. There is no better time to bet than during March Madness. There's no better time to join FanDuel than right now because you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Do that no sweat first bet now. Right or wrong, you're going to get $1,000 in free bets, bonus bets, I should say, and then save that money for the tournament and start, whether the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, start throwing some money around. Then just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can also throw some money down on IU if you think they're going to win the title, plus 4,500 odds. Purdue coming in at plus 1,200 is insane to me. Um, but fair enough, I guess, uh, IU is the second favorite in the, uh, big 10, uh, Illinois is w weirdly high on this list. Uh, they're plus 8,500, Iowa's 8,500, Maryland's 7,500, Michigan's 7,500, uh, Northwestern is nowhere to be seen. The big 10, or the Northwestern's plus 12,000. The Big Ten's a mess this year. Uh, if you want it on the women's side, <laughs> South Carolina is minus favorites to win the title. If that shows you the gap between them and everyone else, because Stanford's at plus 700. Uh, IU is plus 850. You can bet South Carolina versus the field, and it's still South Carolina minus 145. So uh, whatever you want to throw money down on, FanDuel is the place to go. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for that no-sweat first bet and up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. They got everything you need 
when it comes to college basketball. Experts, insiders, coaches, players, Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Let's zoom in on a couple of individuals from last night's game. It's hard to really... I don't know. You need you need a lot of context with this game because it got out of hand and uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, Trace Jackson Davis was about the only one that looked like he wanted to play last night. Jalen Hood Shafino is prone to these types of games where he's shooting 4-14. He had like one stretch at the end of the first half where he was good and he was. That was one of the worst games I can remember him playing particularly because on the defensive end, he's usually decent. He was not on Tuesday, so not a great showing from him. Trey Galloway brought some intensity early in the second half, but, I mean, there wasn't a lot else he did. Every, he was one of the litany of guys that were thrown onto Chris Murray with no success. One guy I want to zoom in on is Tamar Bates because... I don't know, man. Uh, I had high hopes for Tamar Bates. If you go back to right before the holidays, we did a podcast where I said, you need to start Tamar Bates. Go back to that Elon game, I believe was the one. I'm trying to pull it up. No, it was the Kennesaw State game where he scored uh, 19 points and saved IU's butts in that game. I mean, aside from that one Michigan State game, since that game, he has been woeful. Uh, and specifically since that Michigan State game, he's only had two games where he's hit multiple field goals. Um, I don't know what happened, but it's to the point where I'm not sure how much you can really play him. He's going to get one shift in the first half, and after that, I don't know if you look at his uh, stats this season versus uh, basically good teams. He has an effective field goal percentage of 39% against tier A and tier B teams, which is bad. Um, the more raw numbers are he's shooting 30% on twos and 33% on threes against good teams. He's shooting... 25% in conference play for arm two and 38% from three. So it's rough, man. I, I, I have high hopes for him. You can see that like there's the mold of a player who can be a, a really, really good scorer, but man, uh, it's just not clicking and I, I'm not sure what it is. I, it's frustrating because when the when he has those moments like the Kennesaw State game, even like the Michigan State game, the Nebraska game, I believe that was the first Big Ten game of the season or the second one. When it's clicking like that, like it's good. But if you notice, all of those games we mentioned, aside from the Michigan State game, were bad opponents. So like, he's taken something of a step forward since last year but boy it is not close to what IU fans and IU like the team itself needed or wanted from him this season I don't know uh, I thought it was a funk but I mean this is a funk that is now more than a month of him struggling since that Michigan State game struggling almost doesn't even put it into context 
it's been bad. So I don't know what breaks him out of it at this point. Uh, and IU needs someone like him. They need a, a scorer off the bench that can add that punch. But, man, he just doesn't have it right now. Hopefully he can have a couple of get-right games against Michigan at home, maybe against a lower-tier opponent in the Big Ten tournament, and then gets things going again and gets on a hot streak. But he, even when he's played good games, it hasn't been a string of them, really. He had the Michigan State game, and on either side of that, he scored zero points. He had the uh, Kennesaw State game, and either side of that, he scored eight points. He had the game against Jackson State where he scored 22. Either side of that, he had 11 combined points in two games. It's just not really clicking. It's frustrating, uh, disappointing. Hopefully there's something in there he can, like, untap or uncork to to really take off but i don't know that it's happening this year race thompson uh man he is a shell of himself physically i understand that he wanted to get back to a certain degree i you needed him back especially with jordan geronimo hurt and also in that tamar bates camp of not taking a big enough leap or maybe a leap at all this year but race thompson last night he's he used to be the guy you could put on Chris Murray and just say take him out of the game I'm always going to think back to that EJ Liddell game against Ohio State last year where Liddell came in really hot and Ray Thompson just said no Uh, you can think back to the game against Wyoming last year as well but Ray Thompson physically right now just doesn't have it it's not like it's hard to blame him for this in any way he wants to be on the court. I it, it it reminds me last year of Mackenzie Holmes for the women's team where she wanted badly to be back on the court. IU needed her just as depth, as a body, but she wasn't close to 100%, and she wasn't very effective. And that's the case with Race Thompson. It's almost to the point he took a game off uh, already or recently. If Jordan Geronimo was healthy, man... Uh, I would, I would consider doing it again, but he's just, oh man, it's a bummer. It's really, it's really sad. This is kind of how it's ending. He got back on the court and that's a positive, but he just, it's, it's hard to watch right now. Uh, I don't know that he's going to have enough time to kind of rest and get right before, definitely not for the big 10 tournament and, Probably not before the NCAA tournament, but I just thought last night was stark and how kind of far he's fallen physically since coming back from that injury. Uh, last person, just to mention, kind of on that note, if Race Thompson's not got it, is there more banks for? Is there more minutes for Caleb Banks? Um, he brought the intensity last night. He's a little all over the place. He plays like a freshman at times, but. I don't hate the intensity he plays with, which is something IU lacks a lot. So I'm interested. It's pretty late in the year to work a freshman into the rotation. But does he get some spot minutes as a rotation in the first half? And if things go well, maybe a second half rotation? I'm not against it, but I think IU really needs some some athleticism, some guys who can do that dirty work. And Caleb Banks is more than willing to do that 
for better or for worse sometimes. Let's talk some IU football. There's been some coaching changes we can get you all set up, caught up on. We'll do that here in just a moment. It always feels weird, and I've mentioned this before as a, as a small little tangent. It was a slow news day, so uh, I kind of um, wrapped things up for how IU coaching has been going and all the changes they've been making, but it's always interesting talking with the other college hosts. I've mentioned this before, and they're kind of in just like, this is off-season mode right now. They are barely getting by because they're all so focused on football, and their fan bases, a large chunk of them, do not care about basketball. (laughs) But here we are. This is one of the only times I'll mention football. I'm definitely not mentioning it for basically the entirety of the month of March. Um, but let's wrap up some coaching changes. There's been so, there's been a lot of them. Started off, uh, wide receiver coach Adam Henry, who only spent one year in Bloomington, left to go to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it was a short stint in Bloomington. The wide receivers kind of stunk last year, um, aside from Cam Camper. So... He, again, it being a one-year thing, I, I don't know that it was that significant of a loss. Replacing him with, I mean, with some notable title, Anthony Tucker was named the wide receiver coach, the co-offensive coordinator as well. He was the offensive coordinator at Utah State. Last year, they were 96th nationally in total offense. However, the year prior, they were 19th in total offense in 2021. I took a lot of these uh, stats and tidbits from Daily Hoosier. I don't know if you guys regularly go there, but I I highly recommend it. A a great place where they're always on top of the news. So I needed to get caught up myself just to put all this down on a list, and I went over there. So shout out to those guys. Uh, Tucker spent three years at UCF. He was the running backs coach in 2018. Uh, He was the passing game coordinator and running backs coach in 2019 and then was the co-offensive coordinator in 2020. Notably before that, he was a running backs coach in Maryland under Walt Bell. And before that, he spent three seasons at Arkansas State under Walt Bell. So the fact he's coming in as a co-offensive coordinator, him and Walt Bell have a relationship, a history with one another. Hey, I mean, that offense stunk for most of last year, so mix things up, freshen some things up. I'm all for it. Uh, bring somebody else in here that can bring some new ideas. A couple years ago, he had success at Utah State offensively, so try something. Uh, I I am all for just trying things right now because, boy, IU was a mess last year. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to try to say this name. Matt Guerrero uh, was named the safeties coach. The previous coach left to UNC. Uh, but also the co-defensive coordinator. And most notably about that, he is going to take over play-calling duties. This has been kind of a hot potato thing with uh, with Tom Allen. He had play-calling duties last year, and they the defense was awful. And nothing improved. He didn't have them the year prior, and he had them before that. It was actually, it had been a while since he had play-calling duties, but... It, it's it's gone back and forth a bit with Tom Allen. He had them originally when he started, obviously. He gave them up. 
so that he could focus on uh, just the team. Kane Womack and Charlton Warren were calling the defense. It was bad in 2021, so he took it over in 2022. It was still bad, so he handed him back over to Guerrero, who... Here's a little tidbit for you. Uh, You guys will like this. Technically, Guerrero was the defensive coordinator for Tulsa for a couple of months. And if you guys remember, Tulsa's head coach, Kevin Wilson, uh, they were together at Ohio State last season. When Wilson got the head coaching job at Tulsa, Guerrero came with him to take over as defensive coordinator. He was there for a couple of months and then jump ship and comes to IU to be the co-defensive coordinator here. Being a co-defensive coordinator for a Big Ten school is probably better than being the sole coordinator for Tulsa, is my guess, but I'm going to choose to believe that we're just rubbing it in Kevin Wilson's face. Before Tulsa, before Ohio State, he spent a long time at Duke. Ten years at Duke, four years as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Officially, his final year, his titles were co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. I believe all four years he was defensive coordinator. It was a co-defensive coordinator title. Not as much fun with the stats on this one. Uh, Duke allowed the most yards in the country in 2021. If you go back earlier in his uh, uh, time as a defensive coordinator, it's a little bit better. Uh, He was basically middle of the pack defensively in the ACC. It's not nearly as great. There isn't nearly as much of a connection there. My guess would be the the Big Ten connection, having been there last year. I don't know that anybody has or that IU has anyone on the staff from Duke, so I'm not sure where that connection comes from. But we took someone right out from under Kevin Wilson, so kudos to that. I support that hire 100%. But that's your little wrap-up on football. Like I said, even though spring, there might be a spring game this season, I'm not sure. Uh, they w- wasn't one last year, and it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I hope there's one. I want to see video of Taven Jackson throwing the football. But uh, there will be a spring football fan event in April, so we got a while before any of that matters. That's probably the next time we'll talk about IU football is in April. So thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk about the women's game and the opponent that they will have in the Big Ten tournament. And we'll talk about the men's team and the game that they will play um, on Sunday. Of note, IU women play, it's going to be around 1230 on Friday. So unless you're listening to this early in the morning, just be prepared for that because uh, you might miss the game otherwise. For your second listen, check out the brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, experts over there, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube, wherever you guys get podcasts. As always, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Subscribe, whether on YouTube, whether on um, whatever platform you're using, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. Leave that rating and review I mentioned. Helps us out a ton. As always, guys, have a great Thursday, and most importantly, LEO.